0: Well, good morning again. It's so good to see everybody. This is week three of the truth about love, sex, and dating. And uh, if you see it shortened, it says LSD. We're cool. We're not into all that stuff. Just know that it's the shortened version of this. Hey, listen. Here's why I'm excited about today. Is this is showing us what what the what the outcome of love is. Like it, it's kind of a change because last week. We, we really dove into love, the agape, unconditional, sacrificial love, and this week, the difference is we're going to look at what's the outcome of that, and, and honestly, we're going to compare and contrast what, what's the outcome if, if we don't. So, so this morning, I want you to just kind of settle in where you're seated, and I want you to think about this. When I look back at my life, like at the end, what do I want people to say? What do I want on my tombstone? What do I want people to say at my funeral? Because, listen, I'm going to accomplish things in my life, and so are you. But if love is not the answer, if love is not what is accomplished, and if it's not the vehicle in which we accomplish it, well then, honestly, it's not going to last. And here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, continuing. We ended in verse 7 last week, and then now continuing in verse 8. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Love never ends. You see that? Like a lot of things we do in our life, they stop. But love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass. Like you can declare things and you can be right and you can be amazing and people can talk about you, but it, but he says as for prophecies they will pass away. And as for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, you can be the smartest person in the entire world and have unbelievable knowledge, but it will pass away, for we know in part. No one has all the knowledge. No one has all the ability to speak. You have amazing things and you can accomplish a lot. And we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So here's the deal. Love never ends and these do. And today what we want to do is give you an opportunity to see firsthand a testimony from Miss Becky Hodges and her late husband and see what happened by the fact that for so long, Miss Becky honored and loved her husband before he was honorable or lovable. And as a result, their marriage was amazing for the last years of their lives. And what God did in their lives is extraordinary, and I can't wait for you to see it this morning. So check this out.
1: I'm Billy Hodges, and this is my testimony. Just over a year ago, I had a liver transplant, and so much has changed. Before I get into all of that, let me try to tell you how it all began. My parents were divorced when I was six years old. When I was seven, I asked Jesus to come into my life. Then I started drinking as a teenager, heavily. When I was 19, I started doing drugs. Then to pay for them, I started selling them. I had a lot of friends. It seemed like nearly everyone thought I was cool. So did I. I did make a few enemies too. I was 21 in 1975. One night, it all came to an end. When the cops busted through the door, it was possession with intent. I received three to five years. I did 18 months. Afterwards, I stayed clean for about six months. Then started drinking, doing drugs again until I had addiction problems. In 1998, I found out I had hepatitis C. The doctors wanted me to have a liver biopsy. I refused and said I'd be all right. I now call that Superman syndrome. I lived in denial for two years until one day I collapsed and ended up in the hospital. My memory is still not clear about that, but I was told I acted like a man insane. I came home for about a year. I immediately put down the alcohol. It took about six months, but I finally walked out on the drugs too. I've been totally clean now for four years and counting. I praise God for the strength to do it and don't even think about it anymore. Throughout the years of waiting for a new liver, Jesus was doing a wonderful thing. He was healing me where I needed it the most, in my heart, my spirit, and in my life. And he was preparing the perfect liver for me. Becky and I had been called five times to come on, let's go, only to be turned back for one reason or another. I spent a lot of time at home alone, not able to work, with no transportation. I was either at home or in the hospital. Becky came home one day with a new friend from me, a puppy named Babe. She's almost two now and has been a true friend. Besides all the doctors, the medicine, and science, there is one person today that I owe my life to. It is my wife, Becky. She could have turned and ran. God knows I gave her plenty of chances, but she stayed by my side. I never knew that one person could have so much faith and determination, and her faith is very strong. I had very little faith in the beginning, but God had a way of opening my eyes so that I could see that Christ is the only way to life and living. I have so much to be grateful for, so many miracles. Well, here I am. It is the summer of 2007. April 9th was a year since my transplant. I'm 152% better. Although I may never be as strong and as good as I once was, I can say that I feel like a brand new man. I don't know the man's name that donated his liver to me. I only know that he was 30 years old. And when he died, it made it possible for me to live. That's almost the same age Jesus was when he went to the cross for me. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has taken measures to be an organ donor. Without that gift of life, I would not be here today. I suppose that if I can say anything else now, it would be that if there's anything in your life that seems impossible, it is. But only until you reach the point when you realize it's only impossible until you give it to Christ. When we live our whole lives depending on ourselves, it can be very hard to do. I discovered that for me, taking that first step towards the cross was the hardest step I ever took. But once I started walking, I found that Jesus was with me every step now here i am revealing myself to you this is what god asks us to do to testify and share our experiences and glorify him before mankind thank you
2: hello my my name is becky hodges Um, I am an accounting manager at a local chemical company in Greenville, South Carolina, and I've lived in the area here for about 30 years. Um, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. I actually was uh, born in Butler, Pennsylvania and moved when I was five to Chicago and graduated high school and then came to South Carolina. My husband and I met in 1973. Um, We dated off and on for the next five years. Neither one of us at that point were saved. Um, We kind of drifted apart. I actually got married to another man who um, I had a daughter with. And um, my daughter is now 37, and she's a Down syndrome. Um, so, So after I divorced my first husband, I um, kind of went on the search again for Bill because I really felt like that's who I was supposed to be with Um, and we kind of met back up in 1985, dated for two and a half years and married again in January 1987. Um, We still neither were saved and we lived together for almost uh, 11 years and I was saved at a very um, older age, I was uh, 43 years old when I was saved. Um, My husband came from a broken home because of religion. Um, So when I got saved, he wasn't very receptive to that because he felt like that the same thing was going to happen to us that happened to his parents. And so that's when things started going downhill. We probably married about 11 years when that happened. Um, it was almost like um, Satan was coming against me with everything he had, because um, the man that I loved had turned against me, um, went down a different road than we had traveled during the eleven years we were married, and um, it just went haywire. Um, he pretty much told me that if he thought that I, that if I thought that he was going to go to church with me, that I was crazy, because that was never going to happen. I had to let everything that he said pretty much roll off my back and not take it personally because i kind of set myself up to believe that everything that came out of his mouth was straight from satan because i believe that satan was trying to beat me down as a christian as a christian mother as a christian wife um, and so i i would smile no matter what he did and i you know i'd be kind to him i would uh asked if there was anything I could do for him. Um, You know, I continued to um, cook for him, clean for him, everything that I possibly could do to love on him. And you know, he just kind of was like sitting back watching. And I I think about it now and it was almost as though he he had this look on his face like, what is going on? So for the next six months, um, I had a prayer group at church and we prayed for Bill. We prayed for his salvation and October, that was March of that year, in October of that year he fell sick. Um, He was in end-stage liver disease. He was in a hospital. Um, He was just about out of his head and the doctor, the doctor couldn't talk to him so he had to talk to me but he told me that he probably would not live for another year. We continued to pray. We were concerned that he wasn't going to live, but things kind of evened out with his health, and he was able to be put on a transplant list for uh, his liver. And so for the next 18 months, that was what we were working towards. And once he got his liver, he went into a coma, and they couldn't tell me what was going on, but he was being tormented, and I realized that. Again, I called all my friends who were prayer warriors, and. We prayed, and for a whole week he was in this state. As a matter of fact, he got his liver on um, Palm Sunday, and it was Easter morning that he woke up. And the first thing that he said to me is, "Where have you been? I've looked for you everywhere." And he said, "As soon as I get well enough, I'm going to church with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life for Christ." And I mean, everything that he said was everything that I had prayed for. It was just. A miracle is he was a good man even though um, you know some of the things he says in his testimony that he did um, my daughter has not seen her father since she was five years old and Bill raised her as his own and there was never a question never any denying or anything so he He came in, his mom told me one time that if anyone would have ever told her that Bill would have married a woman with a handicapped child, she'd have looked at him like they were crazy because she wouldn't have believed it. But he stepped in and just became the father that she didn't have and to this day, she cherishes him. I look back over it all and I think that, you know, um... It was a very short time that he was saved. I mean, we're talking seven years. Um, and, you know, he in his seven years of being a Christian, he put it all together. Um, there were times where he was fearful, and we would talk about that. We talked about the promises of God and what, as a child of God, that he was entitled to, and that, you know, whatever... I felt at times that maybe Satan was Coming against him, knowing he was going to die, um, we had moments where, you know, we um, talked about how we loved each other and how we would want to be with each other, you know, for eternity, and that now we had that very secure thing that we were going to be together. Uh, and I took a great comfort in the fact that that I knew where he was, even though it was difficult to lose him. Um, he um, just was he said he made the statement that he wasn't afraid to de- die but he was he was afraid of the getting there I'd spent probably a year not knowing what to do with my life after um, bill had passed and that was one of the things that I think about now um, the mystery of marriage I understand that now I might not have understood it when I was married but when you lose somebody that's part of you it's like you're handicapped and you don't know what the next step is, but what I found myself doing was leaning on the Lord more and more, and He guided me through that. God said, I gave you some very valuable information, and you need to go to the hospice house, and you need to be with those people. Do you remember the fear that Bill Bill felt? Do you remember the fear that your brother felt? Now you have information to give these people that they won't have to be afraid, and they know what they have to look forward to. So I was like, I couldn't believe that I was excited about that because I had made that statement, but God had just changed my heart. So uh, for about a year now, I've been working with hospice and I've been helping those people understand and I've not been witness to someone being saved, most of the people I've worked with have already been saved, but there's a bridge there where fear seeps in. And I've been able to help them with that. And it's been the most rewarding thing that I've done in my life yet.
0: (laughs) Man, was that story not amazing? I mean, I, I just love seeing God and seeing, listen, here's what I find so amazing is that Mr. Hodge's legacy is continuing. That the fact that he loved, it's continuing. His story is being told today in Four Points, which is a place that he had never heard of. He had never even considered Four Points Church, and yet that is the legacy that lasts. That's the the love in him that lasts. And today I, w- I want to kind of compare their story and just show you guys this morning the story of Gomer and Hosea. Now Hosea is a minor prophet. He's a, it's a book in the Bible, and he's a minor prophet. And and, and so when when you read this story, it is fascinating when it comes to love or the love that lasts and but here's here's the deal with love we can understand the love that lasts we can start loving our spouses or our our dating partners or or our friends or our co-workers or people like we're called to do love God and love people we're called to do that but if we miss God's love for us we've missed everything and we'll never truly love and I think Hosea chapter 3 is the most beautiful amazing picture of God's love for me And God's love for you that I've ever read in the entire Bible. It is fascinating. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn right now to Hosea chapter 3. And it's short, but it is amazing. Hosea chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Says, and the Lord said to me, and me is Hosea. Okay, this is Hosea speaking. He says, And the Lord said to me, Go again and love a woman. This woman's name is Gomer. And Hosea chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Gomer was a promiscuous woman. So let me just tell you what that word promiscuous means. It means she was crazy. She had lots of adulterous affairs. She's not that girl that you want to take home to your mama. You know what I mean? Like, it's the bad news. And, and right here, the English Standard Version says, loves a woman. But many of your versions actually say Gomer's name. It says, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Now, here's what I want you to know about this so far. Gomer means completeness. Gomer's name literally means completeness, and Hosea's name literally means salvation. And this is what is fascinating by this. Look, God is asking Hosea to love Gomer again. After, after she had been promiscuous, meaning she had had many extramarital affairs. So, so just imagine being the prophet of God in Israel, and, and God comes back to you and says, you know what, the, the woman that, that you left because she was promiscuous, she was awful, she was dirty, she, she did stuff with people, it's known. So, so, so not only are you the prophet of God, but everybody's going to know that you love this woman that was nasty and awful and is promiscuous and goes around and sleeps with all kinds of different men and actually gets paid for it like we're going to see in a second. Well, that's kind of crazy, right? But then look what this says. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Now, we're not Israel, but this is a beautiful picture of God's love for you. Next verse. It says, so I brought her, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and lethish of barley, or that's nine bushels of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell and you really need to listen to this. You must dwell as mine for as many days, or excuse me, for many days. You shall not play the whore. So the Bible just goes in and calls her out. You should not play the whore anymore or belong to another man. The King James says not, you should not play the harlot. You should not go around promiscuous. You should not. Don't get paid for it. Don't be over the top. Or belong to another man. And so I will also belong or be to you. It's crazy, because right here, what he's saying is, I've been instructed by God, and I'm bringing you back in. I know what you've done. Everybody knows what you've done, but you know what? God told me to love you, and I do love you, and I'm giving my love to you. But when you receive my love, you will dwell as mine for many days, and you're not going to play the part of the whore anymore. Now. We hear this and we're like, Pastor Mark, that's cool, but how is this a picture of me and God? Because I've never been that word, right? And that's true. I've never been that. Most of you have never been that. But here's the truth. When we evaluate what we really are, like, like when, I just, when I just look and start writing down the things that I've done wrong and, and realize, seriously, God, you love me? No matter what I've done in the past, no matter where I've gone, you don't look at my sin. You don't hold my sin against me when I ask you for forgiveness. That's me. I'm Gomer. My only chance for completeness is when I find salvation in Christ. That's my only chance. It is not what I do that earns love. It is his love that I receive, and as a result, I am loved And I become love. But God does not love you if God is love. That is the beauty of the entire Bible. That's what makes the Bible so amazing is God is love. And he wants to do anything he can to let you know about his love. Because it will change you. And it will radically, radically change your life. And so what God is saying here is, listen. Everything that you've done. Everything that you've done. I don't hold it against you. For the children of Israel shall dwell for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. They'll be wandering. They'll be alone. They'll be without the one true God. And they'll be doing all these other things. And afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in. To fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days. Many of you would say, Pastor Mark, man, I've never like had other gods, so this is weird. And you know what? The truth is, like me, you've probably never had a Buddha, (laughs) right, or a Baal, or a golden image sitting on your counter, and you come in, you say, you know what? I'm not really sure about this God thing, so I'm just going to worship this instead, and it's going to be cool. Like most of us would say that, right? But here's the deal. Almost every single one of you sitting in here today, almost every single one of you, you worship other gods. You put gods before God, and it can be any number of things because here's the deal. (laughs) You never truly love until you love him first, and you cannot love him first until you receive his love. It's impossible. So, For some of you, it's your husbands or your wives or the guy or the girl you're dating right now that you hold so highly. Like it's all you can think about in the morning and at night. Some of you, it's your sports teams and it consumes you and it's all you think about when you wake up in the morning and wake up at night. It's the time that you spend all on your internet. For some of you, you worship social media and you just need people to love you so you check, 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 check all day long. For some of you, it's schoolwork, and you have to reach a certain level. For some of you, it's your job, and it's making sure that you're good enough, right? But here's how we know that we receive God's love. Verse 3 says that we will stop playing the part of the harlot. We'll stop playing the part of the one that is wandering. I had a conversation with a guy this week, and he said, Pastor Mark, and it's it's a guy that I love dearly. He said, Pastor Mark, man, If you knew where I was, man, if you really understood how far from God I've fallen, you wouldn't try to talk to me about God's love. Can I tell you guys something this morning? No one can ever fall too far from God. It's impossible. And the picture of Gomer, who was incomplete, who was filthy, who was far from God, that's you and that's me. They were so far away. Some of you this morning, you feel that way. You're embarrassed by what you've done and you're even embarrassed to be in this house this morning. Don't be. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've been, no matter what drug you've done, who you slept with or where you've been, God loves you. But this is what he asks: When you receive his grace, stop playing the part that you used to because you've received it and you've become it. You don't just receive the light, you become the light because it shoots out of you. And that's what he asks you when you come into his house. It's not not doing these things to get. Gomer had not changed. Gomer had not changed at all when Hosea came to her. But when Hosea knocked on the door and invited her back into the house, what he said is, you are welcome here. You will be mine for all the days of your life, but you can't keep playing the part that you were playing because you've received my love. And so this is what I want you to know this morning. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you. Unconditionally agape, sacrificial love. 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved you and I and sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. It's amazing. It's amazing. And we want every single one of you to have an opportunity to receive that today. And so here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do is just right where you sit, look right at me, and think this right here. Have I ever really received God's love? And I don't mean pray to prayer. I don't even mean raise your hand. I mean like, has your life been changed because you realize that like Gomer, you are incomplete. You are wandering aimlessly and there's no hope for you. And many of you, like my friend that I spoke with this week, you feel that way. Many of you have been lying, and this is how you know that you're lying. If you question, what can I do? What can I get by with? Like, I've received this grace thing, Pastor Mark, but what, what can I... What? Like, I'm a Christian, right? So I can do whatever I want, and I got my card. I'm telling you before God, in love, impossible to live a life that is promiscuous Constantly. Far from God and have received his love. He will pull you in every time. Does that mean we're not going to sin? Absolutely not. You will sin every single day. But it means that I don't want to. Because my Hosea, Jesus has come. And he's become my salvation. And I've received him. And therefore, as a result, I do not want to be promiscuous. I do not want to wander. And so when I do, he pulls me back. He doesn't hold my sin against me. He looks at me as his son. And he looks at you as his sons and daughters. So what I want you to do today is I want you to pray with me, but I'm going to keep my eyes open, and I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to look right here, and I just want you to pray with me. I want a life that counts, guys. I want a life that lasts. I want a life like Mr. Hodges when he dies. He's with Jesus immediately, and his life counted. When he passed away his last few years, man, it meant something, didn't it? And that's what I want. But you know what? I can try as hard as I want to, and it's never going to be enough. The only way is for Gomer to receive Hosea, for her completeness to be made through salvation. And so what I want you to do, if you want to receive Christ, is just say something like this in your heart. There's nothing magic about a prayer, but just say something like this in your heart. God, I'm so far from you, and I desperately, desperately need Jesus. Will you come in my life? and save me. I receive your love because you've given it to me unconditionally, not by what I've done, but by what you've done. I trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Listen, here's what we want you to do. It's not magic. It's just an expression of faith that you've done in your heart. But if you've trusted Christ today, on the back of that worship guide that we talked about earlier, there's a card. And in that card, we want you to check the box that says, I've received Christ as my Savior and Lord today. And we want to give you a gift. We have a Bible for you. And we have a couple other things for you. And we have volunteers for you that want to walk you through that. So please let us know that so we can help you take your next steps in salvation. And guys, for everybody else, here's how we'll end it. Love. Love is huge. Love is, is the thing that will, that will keep you. When all else fails. When prophecies end. When tongues end. When everything else ends. Love is there. And so when you, when you leave today, I want you to remember this. Love leaves a legacy that lasts. Love leaves a legacy that lasts. Mr. Hodges, legacy is lasting because of love. Becky Hodges, legacy is going to live on for years after she's gone years and years from now because of love. And guys, Whatever you're struggling with, if your marriage is falling apart, if your work is terrible, whatever happens, you can accomplish everything that you want to accomplish and make more money and have more fame and more acclaim. But the only thing that lasts is love. Let's pray together. God, what an honor it is to be loved by you, to be honored and served by you. And the reason that we love is because you first loved us. And God, We just want to tell you we do truly love you with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our souls and God we want our lives to count God I don't care what we accomplish help us live a culture of honor and love and we present and commit ourselves to you because you're worthy of all praise and honor in Jesus name amen